I chose to be a solo mom by choice since I was pregnant. And it was one of the most liberating choices that I ever had made. Welcome to Big Little Choices. I'm Shri, and the show is about the amazing women and moms that all of us are surrounded with. Each episode will feature a woman that I admire and someone who has made a bold and unconventional choice because it's what's best for her and her family. This show is also about building community so you can hear stories that make you feel inspired and empowered to make choices that are right for you. I hope you enjoy the show. I am so excited to share this episode with all of you. My guest today truly stands for what it means to make a choice that's right for you without conforming to any cultural or societal norms. Beat in her choice to be a single parent, not define herself or her child by a specific gender, you'll hear about the many interesting choices my guest has made. Born and raised in San Francisco, Mari has a rich mix of ethnicities, Native American, Filipino and white. And this mix of identities is what built a lot of confidence in her. After traveling extensively in her younger years, checking off all the boxes that she thought were necessary to establish herself financially, she thought that the time might be right to become a mother. I think when I started really getting settled more in my career and, you know, when you're like, okay, ooh, I'm getting promotions and I was getting a little bit more financial security. Got my own place downtown. I got this, I got that. I've done all these like check marks of these things that I want to do in my 20s. You know, I'm in my 30s now. I really, I really want to explore motherhood. And I really want to experience, explore being a parent. So that's when I started to really put that intention out there that I really want to be a parent. I really want to give birth to a child, um, and this is the way that I want to bring a child into the world. And I remember I went to a reproductive justice conference in Miami, and I remember at the end of that conference, and this is after, like, long after I graduated college, and I remember saying, well, if I ever give birth, I'm going to have a home birth. Because I learned so many things at that reproductive justice conference, and that really influenced me uh, to have a home birth. And also knowing that my grandma did home birth, you know, had a home birth with my mom. So that the way that my mom came to this world through a home birth, I was like, wow, I'd really love to give that gift to myself and to my future child. So tell me a little bit more about your journey to pregnancy. The first thing that happened, I actually had a conversation with a really good friend of mine. I really want to have a baby. Like, I want to bring a baby in this world. And I'm not really intent about having a partner or not, but I know that I really want to be a parent. So they were like, really? Like, we should have a conversation. So he was like, hey, come over to my house. Me, you, and my husband, let's all talk. I sat down with him. I sat down with his husband. His husband was like, hey, whatever you two want to do, it's fine. If my partner wants to give you sperm for you to have a baby, that's fine with me. Then he said, yeah, I, I would be into this. I think it's a great idea. But we all kind of said that we're going to all wait one year and at the end of the year see how we feel. Like, really sit with these feelings, see this is where we want to really go. So before the end of that year, though, I ended up being in a relationship with a man. And so I got intentionally pregnant towards the end of our relationship, even though I knew it was going to end because it was a very unhealthy relationship. So I decided to leave. I chose to be a solo mom by choice since I was pregnant. And it was one of the most liberating choices that I ever had made. I think a lot of times people think, well, how is that actually more liberating and, and easier? For me, I noticed right 
when I left within the first few weeks of pregnancy that my blood pressure went down, my stress went down, all these things went down. And yes, was I doing it on my own? Yeah, there were so many times I would love, like, I was laying in bed just for someone to, like, run to the store and get me whatever I'm craving. But, you know, I live in San Francisco, too, so it's not like delivery is not far away, and there's not like there's an app for that. So, but what about the emotional support? And also, what about, would your child ask you questions about where is the other parent or the financial security or so many other pieces that come with having a partner? Did you ever worry about any of that? So I think the part where I get the most, because you're right, is about emotional support. So I think one thing that co-parents really get to have that they may not think about or not is that, so say your kid takes their first steps. You get to tell someone who would be just as excited about that. Not saying that I don't tell people that they're not excited, but there's no one who's like, whoo, like, and so, yeah, I don't have that. But I do have people who are maybe slightly closer to that. So I get to tell grandma, I get to tell family, I get to tell people who are kind of like our village family, I call, um, as well. And so they get excited. Of course, it's not the same as me. So that is one area where I get to lack. But one thing I do get to have as a bonus is my agency. So if I'm like, hey, me and you, we're going to go get on a plane to Haiti today and I buy the plane tickets, I don't have to ask anyone. We get on the plane, we go, bam. And that's something that no co-parenting relationship gets to have, whether they're together or not. So I, you know, I don't get to have that certain area, but I do get to have that. And there's been definitely times where I was like, you know, boarded a plane to Puerto Rico, next thing we're on Disney cruise, and I knew like within a week, you know, and so... It's amazing when I decide, like, I get to decide things fully 100% me. If my baby's like, oh, who's this? Like, why? They have two parents. You, I only have one. I'm very intentional about having my child with other solo parent families. I'm intentional about the books that I read. There's a book called Egg Meat Sperm. I read that to my baby all the time. So it talks about how babies are born in a very kid-friendly way. I also read this other book called Families, Families, Families. I My baby has been trying to explore about the word, what's dad? What does dad mean, right? So I started reading this book called One Dad, Two Dads, Blue Dads, no, Brown Dad, Blue Dads. Um, and it's about a two-dad couple who happen to be blue as well. And so it's interesting. So instead of saying the word gay, dads, um, the word blue substituted, so like, the kid will ask, you know, the other kid, well, when they hug you, does the blue rub off? on them to you, right? All those stereotypes that we say about like with gay parents. And then so the kid's like, no, of course the blue doesn't rub off. Or like, how do they become blue, right? All the things that we say about what people who are queer. And so then they'll be like, well, they've always been blue. So we talk about dads, we talk about moms, we talk about two mom relationships, two dad relationships, solo parent relationships, solo dad, solo mom, solo parent, um, gender queer parents. And so I'm very intentional of having my baby and um, seeing all different kinds of parents. And even the part-time preschool that I picked for my child, there's different kinds of parents there. And also, even at the school, they're very intentional about highlighting that. I think when you're a solo parent, you have to be maybe a little bit more intentional of what your kid is exposed to sometimes, right? Because you want to make sure that they're reflected. But it's unfortunate to see it that way because all parents should be very, like, thinking about showing all kinds of families. Like, every family should be reading that book, Families, Families, Families. Books just with all different kinds of families in them. 
so that when, you know, kids, especially if they come from two-parent households, they're like, hey, wait, you're missing one. No, it's not missing. It's complete, right? Um, and then also, I noticed the people, like I said, part of our village, we have someone in our life named Celestina, and she's like another village mama to my baby. And there's many times where, like, my baby will pray for them and everything will say, oh, I pray for Tita Tina and really loves on them. And I would say, I wouldn't say Celestina is like a co-parent. That's definitely not true, but definitely a very supportive village mama, like in our circle. So we definitely do have people like that. So how supportive was your family when you made this decision to be a solo parent? Um, no, I think they freaked out. I think they were not on board. When I told my mom about the sperm donation, my mom was like, oh my God, no, like you're just like wanting to get pregnant. Um, my mom also came from the perspective of like, how about you just don't have kids? Like your life will just be so much easier. So always would tell me like, if you're smart, you won't have kids, right? Like just don't have kids. It's, it's too much. <laughs> like you don't know what you're in for. And I always thought that was kind of mean growing up. Like, you know, always saying like, oh, if you're smart, don't have kids. I'm like, what are you trying to say about us? But now as a parent, I still think it's slightly mean, but I understand mm-hmm. what they were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Again, I, st- I wouldn't say that to my kid, but, you know, I might be like, you might want to really, like, go think to about it. it. So uh, pray about it, meditate, do whatever you want to do. Really take time. And I do, I am glad that I did take that year to really like okay what do I want to create how do I really want to raise a family and so yeah they weren't on board at all but I always say with family they eventually come around I think my grandmother was very freaked out that I was gonna be a solo parent of any kind whether that's a two-spirit or a queer solo parent or a solo parent with a guy or with what like I'm gonna be all alone and so my grandma was very very concerned like wow, my my granddaughter is going to be all by themselves. And, you know, especially in the early days, people get kind of scared about that. And it, that makes sense because you need support. It takes a village to raise a child, right? Whether you're a solo parent or not. If you paid close attention to Mari's previous answer, which I hope you did, you would have noticed that she referred to herself as a them versus a she. Mari's part of a progressive and important movement called gender fluidity. The fundamental belief being that gender is not binary, but can range on a spectrum of male to female. Not only is Mari applying this to herself, but also to her child. So I'm two-spirit myself, and I'm very gender fluid in how I express my gender. So sometimes that might show up as more feminine or as more masculine to people. To me, my belief is that gender is a spectrum. So yes, there's biological sex, and I'm biologically female, right? But gender, gender is an expression of who you are, right? And how that plays out. So what gets put on the birth certificate doesn't always match with what your gender is. So that's how I see my own gender and how I express my gender. When I I remember growing up, I used to call myself a tomboy a lot. And that was very interesting, you know. But now we have more words when it comes to the gender spectrum. We didn't have that many words in the 80s, you know. And now we have more language. So what I try to do with my child is what I really want to do because that wasn't done as much for me. Slightly it was. You know, my grandma was very like, would call me he and she a lot growing up. And And what was the reason for her doing that? Two things. One, my grandma um, talks Tagalog and it has no gender pronouns. 
So it's very common for people to speak Tagalog, say he or she very fluidly. Um, and then two would always tell me, oh, well, I'm calling you that by the energy that you have, like whether that she at this moment or he, whether my grandma felt that was more masculine or feminine. With my child, I want, you know, I know that I have a biologically female child and that is their biological sex, but I want them to be able to express their gender however they feel fit. So I decided from before the baby was born, before I even, you know, was pregnant, that I'm going to be as gender neutral as possible. So using terms like they, them, their, um, you know, whether that's a child, kid, things like that. So then my baby, whenever we start talking more of the same language, <laughs> right, because they're only 2.5 years old, then can express to me and say, hey, this is my gender, this is who I am. So then I can go, okay, so then what do you want me to call you? Because I believe in having your own agency, and I believe having your own body agency. I think that's really, really important to growing up. So how you want to label yourself in terms of your gender, in terms of your race, in terms of your culture, those things are very personal. And so I want my baby to be able to have that freedom and feeling free to be. Why is it so important for you that your child has the choice to decide who they want to be? I want that for in all aspects of their life because I feel like that's when you can really be authentic and really live your authenticity and who you are and who they're meant to be. I believe that my child came into being for a purpose and a reason to be here and that my mission is to support whatever they're here to do. So whatever gift that they are to this world, I need to be on board with them 100%. I think it requires an enormous amount of courage to be that parent, to choose to be that parent. How do you do it? Well, I think I get to be in a beautiful, beautiful, um, I don't know, I, I get to create a beautiful community. So I do have a community behind me that is very intentional um, about supporting us, about how I want to raise my child. And then also sometimes some people aren't going to call my baby they or them or there. And so I just say, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. And if you're going to do something different, I can't control you, right? So I can keep reminding someone or whatever, but if they keep saying he or she or whatever, um, I also do want to throw it out there. I do notice that when my ba people think my child is biologically male, they treat them a certain way. So I notice when people say, oh, look at your son. Hey, bro, blah, blah, blah. And they do these fist bumps and all this. And then when they find out when they're like, oh, wait, they have a biologically female child. They're like, oh, you're such a princess. So I do also notice that me using gender language, gender neutral language, my baby might be cisgender and might be like, no, I am a girl or, or they might be like trans and they might be like I'm not you know but I do notice it changes how people treat my child when I say they and their because since they can't put my child in a gender box they can't put these certain gender roles on my child. We went back to Mari's choice to have a home birth and talked about a decision that is aspirational for some and terrifying for many. It was so obvious for Mari though for a few reasons. To stand for her belief in my body my choice to honor ancient practices that her ancestors followed, and most importantly, to give birth in a way that felt more organic and truly authentic. Looking at how my grandma or my ancestors might have raised their child, 
and really trying to replicate that on some small level. And I feel like I did that with them. Like when we had the home birth, one thing that I was able to do that would have never happened in hospital was that we did a cord burning ceremony. Um, and so when, you know, you give birth and then the placenta comes out. So we waited a while, probably like an hour, maybe two hours, so they could get all the nice, good blood for the placenta and any type of nutrients. And so I decided to have a cord burning ceremony, which is where, like, you have two candles. And so you burn the cord, and it's a gradual process instead of cutting the cord. And that would have never happened in the hospital. Never. There's no way they're like, light fire? That would not happen, right? But that could happen at the house. And so it was really beautiful. My mother and my stepdad were there burning the cord and so I thought that was just so beautiful that my midwife was like watching it while at the same time I'm breastfeeding my baby the first time this is all happening during the cord burning ceremony and it was just amazing like and it's happening so gradual like not like just you know and I really like that gradual transition for my child so I think to me that's the the best one of the best things is that I get to really like, really look at like, okay, so how did my ancestors do it? And really reclaim these practices that they might have done that might seem lost, but they're still there. The birth that I had with my baby was not only a birth of my child, but was the birth of me as a mom. Because I really truthfully felt like that's the reason why it felt like I died. Because I did. I died to who my old person was and I was reborn. So it was a rebirthing process for me. And then with my child, um, we ended up, well, and I say we as in like me and other people I talked to, ended up naming my baby, um, the English translation means the warrior that came out fighting in the spring air. Um, and the reason why I gave them that name is because they were born, you know, when the spring air starts to come and everything. And then I was on all fours and they came out. It was just like, they came out fighting like, ah, I'm here. There is so much conversation around how long, how often, and how much babies need to be fed. The World Health Organization says one thing, mommy blogs say another, but in her true style, Mari has decided to cut out the noise and breastfeed her child for as long as they both want. Her child is now two and a half years and Mari is still going strong. So they were exclusively breastfed, like with nothing, you know, what, zero to six. And then after like some solids, um, and then after a year, you know, of course, we're still eating, like, you know, trying foods, eating foods, and breastfeeding at the same time. Um, and so now they are... 2.5. 2.5. And yep. how many times a day do you still breastfeed? Okay, let's see. So there's always the morning, the always the morning milk. So we're always, like, cuddled up, you know, they drink on breakfast. Um, then they go to their preschool for half a day, so I'm not there. So I'd say they go three hours, then they see me. So then, you know, we breastfeed again, like reconnect. Um, and then we go take a nap. So then they wake up. They Sometimes they want breast milk, sometimes they don't. It really depends when they wake up for that nap. If they feel more sleepy, I notice they usually want to nurse. Um, and then if they don't, then we just go straight into snack. It's very rare when they don't. There's been a few times they say no. Then we go do whatever after the activity is, whether that's like, I got something I got to go do, go to a meeting, or maybe go play at the playground or whatever. 
we have dinner together, and then we breastfeed again at night. So how long do you think you would want to do it? I don't really know what the answer is. Because I also feel like we're in a breastfeeding relationship. So if my child is like, they don't want the boob, I'm not going to be like, oh, here. Because they could, you know, yesterday, when they were like, oh, no, I don't want that first. I want this fruit snacks first. That actually kind of threw me off. I was like, oh, wow, okay. It kind of reminded me, like, my days are numbered. My child with breastfeeding. And so to really just value the time we have left, whatever. I mean, maybe that's just a few months. Maybe that's a few no definitely wouldn't be a few days but you know or maybe it's another year maybe it's two years I don't really know I do know that it works now to keep breastfeeding and so I love that and I want to keep honoring that I think my intention is to self-wean but you know like I say with anything in parenthood you always change like ask me in a year might be different I might be like you know what that was a nice self-weaning idea I've chose to just cold turkey or whatever I find Mari to be strong, authentic, and truly representative of who she is and what she believes in. As you heard, there is a theme of my body, my choice all along her story, be it her choice to be a single parent, have a home birth, or breastfeed for as long as she wants. We wrapped up our chat with some final thoughts on why all this is so important to her and how she stays true to herself. So the reason why I say my body, my choice is I really believe that in all aspects of especially when we think about reproductive justice, right? So it's it's my choice for my body to give birth, number one. It's my choice how I want to use my body in terms of nursing my child, right? My choice of where I give birth, right? So whether that's at home, whether that's in a hospital, um, and that it comes out of my body, my choice, out of this informed consent, right? So these informed decisions I'm you know, going through, I'm doing research, this what I really want and really think about is this the choice what I want to lead with um, and I think that's when it's the most powerful I think it's really important when we think about okay this is what I want to do this is how I want to live my life to really stand authentically in that because if you don't who will you know if you're not gonna be like, this is my body my choice and I want to stick to this if you're not going to stand it for that who will if not you then who Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another interview. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about, let me know.